I don't know if we come from cosmic stardust or the matrix or a divine breath or an earthen impetus that imbues cells with the drive to divide, always divide and duplicate and distribute until they can sustain no more and they return to the elemental matter that comprises our perceived universe. Whether ancestors, knowing less, somehow knew better, or whether we, with an ever-expanding compendium of comprehension, have outflanked their primitive impulses and ascended to a higher state of existence, one where we have become the gods they once revered. Whether another dimensional being reached through space and time to impregnate our world with consciousness and meaning and morality, or whether chemical processes and synapses and senses have conflated and conspired to invent these concepts that exist only insofar as we imagine them. I don't know shit about where we come from, why we're here, or where we're going. I only have these feelings, this skin, these eyes, this brain that slowly became aware of itself as it compiled information and learned to manipulate the body that contains it. And knowing full well that my entire sense of self, and indeed my very body, may be a hoax, or an illusion, or a dream in the mind of something else, that even the letters that form the words that construct the sentences that my mouth and lungs are generating right now are all ephemeral, existing only because you and I have agreed that a symbol correlates to a sound and a sound corresponds to an object or an idea. Knowing all these things, being aware of the unsubstantial and ever-shifting firmament on which my understanding of the world is precariously balanced, I choose to believe. Moment by moment, I choose to trust the sustaining power of breath. I hold close the notion that I woke this morning with purpose. I embrace the idea that goodness not only exists, but lives in both my physical body and the mind with which I perceive it. I believe in friendship, in love, in justice, in wholeness. I believe in me. I believe in you. And I believe in a togetherness and oneness and belonging that binds us. I believe that when I harm you, I harm myself. And that when I nurture me, I nurture you as well. Every day, I trust in concepts that I can't prove. I try to align my choices with values that don't really have any reinforcing authority. I have faith for things I cannot see, and I hope for that for which I have no evidence. I'm a believer, and I belong in the family of believers. Whatever the reason for my belief, I belong. Whatever the object of my belief, I belong. Whatever the underpinnings and constructs and creeds and dogma of my belief, I belong 
And so do you, my friend. So do you. You belong to the family of believers. Welcome home, beloved. Welcome. Conversations for the Godless. I'm Matthew Blake. And I'm Karen Thurston. Welcome to Heathen. Tangents are <laughs> more than welcome. Okay. So if we <laughs> do nothing but talk about random things, that's also fine. And we'll just yeah. be at the end, we'll be like, okay, God, what were the things we had to talk about? Let's do that now. Right. Um, we do well. a lot of rabbit, rabbit <laughs> trailing. You. You mentioned the elms in an episode, <laughs> and when I heard that, I was like, "Oh my god!" And I was wrong too. It wasn't. It wasn't even an elm song oh, really? we were okay. talking about. But I still did have the elms. Okay. Yeah. That I should have known that that it was wrong because I was the <laughs> well, biggest fan in high too. school. Were you? I, I used to give my mom foot massages, just convince her to drive me four hours to go see them. Oh my god, know, I like, love it. it. Yeah. Anyway. I love it. That's that's perfect. I my the church I grew up at was right. Um, like buy a Berean Christian bookstore. So oh, I just yeah. spent like hours in the CD section. That was where I hung out. I was a five iron frenzy yeah. kid. Like they were my, they were my jam. Yeah. But there we go. that was the, when I rebelled, I was five iron frenzy. Yeah, they were, they were five. Honestly, Reese was my first step toward deconstruction because I mean, if really? you listen to five iron frenzy lyrics, there's a lot of political upheaval. There's a lot of like, you know, kind of anti-Americanism and anti this like love of God equals love of country attitude. Yes. Like he was pretty vocal about that sort of thing. And it was a baby step toward deconstruction, but it was a step, right. you know, <laughs> something. Yeah. So, And what's amazing is so many of these CCM artists mm-hmm. were actually mm-hmm. quite progressive. Yeah. yeah. You know, because they're artists. Yeah. Like, yeah. Artists have a, they're on a different plane. Yeah. Like you're already tuned into like, who people are and how people operate. And and so it just doesn't fit in the evangelical structure. That's right. But you have to. If you want to sell albums in that world, you have to fit, right? right. Yeah. yeah. I remember when back when I was doing my show in Nashville, I used to go to the gay bars on the weekend. Mm-hmm. It was called Play. And Jackie Velasquez was there with her brother because mm-hmm. she's gay. Up, and so I was dancing on the Jackie. dance floor at a gay club with Jackie. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. loved it. She was cool. she was one of the first ones I like met in person and like waited in line to get a signature yeah, from. Really? Yeah. Un lugar celestial. I loved that that whole <laughs> record. That was great. Yeah. It's just it's just so so amazing. Like these people that we grew up listening to, um, the, who they really were and and how they weren't allowed to be that mm. on stage. It was yeah. this filtered identity. Right. You know? Yeah. And, like, it was really propaganda, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and I think that's what led to a lot of confusion for me. Um, and, and it's, like, kind of, I don't know. It's interesting. Like, they were our role models in how to present ourselves, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, and Totally. And no one was allowed to do it authentically. Yeah. Right. And but now, now there's there's no longer that Lifeway bookstore that is that filter, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and saying mm-hmm. you can do this, you can't do that. Right. 
and so like we're all producing our own stuff mm -hmm. and we're allowed to present ourselves authentically and yeah. and it's interesting to see how that's what what's emerging out of that yeah does that make sense absolutely, absolutely. Makes sense. okay yeah. yeah, that's like the gift of social media, right? There's, a lot, there's a lot of curses, yeah. <laughs> right. but that's the, the yeah. true gift is that I imagine it must be really hard, though, for someone who came up in, but like in, in the time before social media, before we were allowed to represent ourselves the way we want to be right. represented. And you like started out, well, yeah, like Derek Webb is kind of the, the mm -hmm. prime example. He's like gone through yeah. hell with people. Just the it's still people are still constantly attacking him because they have an idea of who Derek Webb is yes. right. from 1990, you know, six, right. <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, and he's like, yeah, but now I'm me. Now I'm not being represented by whatever label we happened to sign with, right. and yeah, it's well, there was that protection around sort of this black and white way of seeing, you know. Mm -hmm. So like when you had the label that everyone was going through, or you had, you know, that projected image was the one and we were all doing that on a small scale I think growing up in these evangelical spaces too like that you're taught to like present your everybody has to you know hide away the dark parts and present the good parts and so we get these split humans almost everyone I know who grew up in this place has that split in their history mm -hmm. where they had the stuff that they thought about and did in secret and then mm -hmm. the stuff that they actually lived and projected over here and artists were just doing that on a really grand scale, you know, mm. like this really big public scale. And so we've got now this idea of Derek Webb as a whole person mm -hmm. and we can what? see the spectrum <laughs> of his feeling and like yeah. there that, oh, there's all this middle ground. There are mm. all these things in between those two spaces yep. that we compartmentalized is everything else that makes us human living in between. There's a middle now, which is, I think... That's a, again, I always come back to Fable, but I have a six-year-old, and I'm always just like, oh, it gives me hope for her mm, <laughs> that yeah. like, she gets to have a middle, mm. thank God, and to like see the middle. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, she's going to grow up glued to her phone, but at least she'll be seeing the middles <laughs> of things, and it's something. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Should we like... Should we start the podcast? High heathens. High heathens. <laughs> high heathens. Heathens are at the library. We're in a library? Quiet, this is a library. Oh. I can't help but think of Lori Beth Denberg from... All that. <laughs> Did you guys watch all that growing up? Yes. Nickelodeon sketch show. Yes. Oh. Absolutely, I it, did. It was a. It was, and salute yeah. your shorts. It was why. You, hey, dude. Hey, dude. Oh, yeah. is my favorite. <laughs> Sorry, tangent. They're re, they're remaking it. All that actually. Hey, dude. No, all that. Oh, all that. Keenan. Okay. Keenan is like doing oh, the, the the reboot great. of. Anyway, this that. is neither here nor there. This we're in an, we're in a library in Oceanside, there. California, because we met halfway with Azariah Southworth. Yeah, thank, thank you. you for coming. Yeah, my to pleasure. be on on the show. Yeah. Um, so what we love to do is ask our guests to do a self introduction, however you'd like to do that, um, just so that you can be who you want to be on the thing and set the stage and let people know um, what you want them to know about you before we dive into the conversation. So, would you introduce yourself? Yeah. So my name is Azariah Southworth, and you pronounced it so well. Um, <laughs> my dad still misspells it every once in a while. Oh, really? He gave it to me. He chose it. So um, a lot of people ask me where my name comes from. It's um, it, from the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm -hmm. So Abednego was Azariah's Hebrew name before King Nebuchadnezzar changed it to their Babylonian names. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so you could have been Abednego. Oh, wow. I could have been Abednego. Would have been harder to spell. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, here we are. so I grew up in 
Aluminum Pentecostal Church, and um, that's I a, remember that's a hella biblical name. Like it that's really like is. that's like a next level like a biblical deep name. Cut biblical <laughs> yeah. Name. yeah, I have three older sisters. Their names are Bobby Jean, Sarah Ann, and Amanda Jane. Come on, and then I'm Benjamin Azariah. Okay. Like, like my there was some something that changed, something that flipped in my parents, and I don't know what. Yeah, <laughs> something. That's <in> <laughs> uh, <it's> fantastic. <laughs> but I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and um, and I remember one time I was falling asleep during a, a Sunday service, and. Uh, and our pastor was preaching, and she was becoming more um, lively in her tone, you know, mm-hmm. as Pentecostals tend to do. And uh, she was, started reading the scripture, um, and and she goes, "And the Spirit of the Lord came upon the prophet Azariah." <laughs> and I thought she was calling me out, and so I quickly woke up. Oh, but <laughs> random story. Good morning. <laughs> but <laughs> I grew up in a Pentecostal church in a very religious family. We grew up. Uh, watching mostly Christian television and only allowed to listen to Christian music. Amy Grant was not considered Christian. Mm. BTW, well, yeah, okay. Yeah. Baby, baby so, thing was yeah. a little, yeah. that was scandalous. Bit, yeah, was a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember the day my mom turned off Amy Grant because she was no longer Christian. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. a very sad day. Yeah. Bye, Amy. Baby, baby. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, and so uh, I... As a kid, I was a little queer. Like I wore earrings to uh, school in first grade, mascara. Yes. I was always that that little queen, and and putting my head on boys' laps, and you know, just like always wanting to connect to men, and um, as well as my own femininity. Mm-hmm. And um, and I quickly learned that I couldn't do that. Right. Um, and uh, my parents, at the age of thirteen, went to our pastor and told them that they thought I was struggling with homosexuality. Mm. And so they told me that she wanted to meet, pastor, uh, wanted to meet with me after service one Sunday evening. And I thought it was because she wanted to like connect with me and say, you know, I see the work that God's doing in you. Mm. And I think it's just amazing. You know, I, I, that's the kind of conversation I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so when I got in her office and we started talking, she started sharing a story about a man that she saw in the news uh, who was molested as a young boy and then mm. started going around molesting other boys uh, when he became an adult. And she looked at me and she said, Azariah, my eyes are on fire. And like they talk what I grew up in, we talk very abstract and everything yeah. has like layers of meaning, right? Sure. And so um, to me, I took that as she can see right through me. Mm. She knows that I'm a homosexual. Mm. And I I started crying and for the first time I admitted out loud that I was gay. Mm. And she told me that I could be free from that. And she told me how she helped other men become free from these feelings. And I was all in. Yeah. Because all I wanted to do was to be in heaven with my family. Yeah. And to make everyone proud. Right. And so I I was going to do whatever I had to do to become not gay. Right. And so once a week for five years, we met. I would confess my thoughts when I masturbated. Um and she would kneel down next to me and try to cast the demons out of me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it isn't until these past five years that I realized how much that fucked me up. Yeah. And, um, and I've been unlearning that. And, um, and, and how much that propelled me to get where I went to in life. 
Like I was so committed to playing the role of a Christian that I even became a Christian TV host, Mm -hmm. you know, because I saw all I saw growing up was Paul and Jan Crouch, Jim and Tammy Faye. You know, these were the people who God were really using to save millions of souls. And Mm -hmm. I had to be like that to really redeem myself from this awful sin. Yeah. And at least this is how I played it sure. in my head. The bigger you know? the sin, the bigger the pain. Right, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and so I, I, at eight, the age of 18, I moved out of my parents' home to Nashville mm-hmm. and started working Christian television until I got my own show. And, uh, and I did that for two seasons, and we were syndicated on TBN and the NRB network, and um, and. We did really well as a show, mm-hmm. um, uh, and af- after the second season, I decided to come out, mm-hmm. and uh, and when I did, that became a big story, and that really was the beginning uh, of my process to deconstructing. Right. And it's been ten years since I've come out, mm. and I feel like only now am I really coming home mm. within myself mm-hmm. and really understanding. All of it, um, even though I know that my understanding is still very limited, um, I have that sense of home that mm-hmm. I want that I didn't once have, mm-hmm. yeah. but that I felt when I was a kid, when I wore those earrings, when I wore that mascara, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, yep. before that was all stolen from me. The so, grace yeah. period, we like yeah. to call it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, so, usually we're good like 30 minutes in before I'm crying. But <laughs> we're, we're already there. We got you um, so early. Yeah. So wow. Sleepy, sleepy um, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're Karen and I are tired. We both had like crazy weekends and or crazy weeks and late nights last night. But um uh so we might cry a lot more than usual. I'll join you. It's all right there on the surface. We're just like, okay, we're crying today. Um how did you view your sexuality during that period? So f- five years with your pastor really intentionally trying to become straight right so did you feel like you had attained anything in that journey personally it became a cycle of success and failure yeah um at the age of 13 the um exorcisms and counseling started at the age of 14 i started breaking into homes Mm. looking for pornography Mm. because we didn't have i i grew up in a town of 320 people Mm. about five miles outside of that so in wow. the middle of nowhere yeah. with no computer, no internet. Right. And I was horny. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. Children. <laughs> I was horny and suppressed. And um, I'm sorry to whoever in this library can hear this. Um, <laughs> but uh, and so I, I started, uh, you know, that suppression made those desires kind of come out in um in, in not a healthy way. Yeah. Yes. And and so I started breaking in homes, and I remember I got caught the first time, was on probation. The second time that I got caught, my dad had to come down to pick me up. I had a book bag full of stolen dildos and porn. I'm just curious how you knew which house to go in in the, yeah. the town of 300 people. You just not. hit the jackpot. I just hit the jackpot. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and, uh, and yeah, and so, um, 
And so it was a cycle of success and failure. So that was the, that was my dark, dark time and my failure. And, and I carried so much shame for that. And only recently have I been able to really open up and even talk about that to people that are close to me. Mm. Um, because I felt like I was a creep. I felt like I was a pervert, mm, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and really, I understand now the surrounding circumstances is what created that to yeah, happen. Yeah. And, and that's not who I am. Uh, yeah. While you were filming a TV show, you were very aware that you're like, I'm gay and I'm in the closet. Like you knew that about yourself or was that something you would like admit about yourself that you'd say I'm gay or was it like I struggle? I'm struggling with this. How, how did you approach that personally? Struggle with same sex attraction. Yeah. Right. The, the only language that I knew was struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was no identifying as queer yet because it was like, that's what is that? Like, <laughs> there's, I don't have any representation for that. Yeah. I had friends that were gay and openly gay uh, in Nashville, mm. and uh, I had a friend named Oki, and his mom owned a lesbian bar in Nashville with her twin sister, mm. and uh, and so I used to go there a lot with him oh. when I did my show, and so like it was a slow process of learning the language that I'm okay, yeah, but also um, uh, so learning that uh, seeing seeing that I'm okay outwardly and then inwardly. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe reversed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what gave you the courage to like to make that huge step in that like, in an environment where your job literally depends on the appearance of straightness or like the presumption of straightness? How like what pushed you pushed you out the closet? I guess. Yeah, it was after watching a documentary called "For the Bible Tells Me So." Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, we know this. Yeah. 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 It was the first time I've heard the affirming message before then, mm-hmm. um, but it was the first time I actually received it. Yeah, and and I was like, okay, I can do this, and I get it now. Yeah, and um, and at that point, um, I had. Uh, so let me give a little bit of backstory. Yeah. Um, the reason why I had a show is because I became friends with this guy named Logan. And his dad is someone named Jay Seculo, and who heads up the ACLJ, which is the Christian version of the ACLU founded by Pat mm-hmm. Robertson. Okay. Oh. And Jay is one of Trump's personal lawyers now. Uh, so this yeah. is the kind of people I was hanging out with. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And so I worked on Logan's show, and then him and his dad helped me get my own show. And, um, and so when I started... Uh, being coming okay with coming out and watching the documentary for The Bible Tells Me So, Logan started hearing rumors that I was going to gay bars. Mm. And so he called me into his office and said to me, if you want to come out, I need you to let me know first Mm. because my name and my dad's names are attached to yours. Mm. And he said, if you want to come out, that's fine, but you're going to have to go behind the scenes. If you want to stay on camera, then you will have to get help. Mm. And so I thought he was my best friend. And so mm. I promised him. And and this was before I saw the documentary for The Bible Tells Me So, but I was starting to become okay with it. And um, uh, I told him that I would get help. And so I, I went to like one session and then I was like, you know what? 
this is not for me. It's not helpful. And Logan and I used to hang out every single day. He was like my best friend in Nashville. And after that conversation, we didn't really talk for three months. Mm. And and then I came out in April of 2008. And when Perez Hilton put it on his website, you know, Christian TV host comes out, you know. I got a text message from Logan that says, I feel betrayed. Mm. And it was like, girl, this ain't even about you. Yeah. Hello. (laughs) You know? So, um, so that was kind of my process in in becoming okay and kind of the backstory of how I got there. But, wow! Yeah. So that is uh, that's an incredible step to take. I'm always I, I always I, I love to hear those stories because I didn't. I, I just flew under the radar for years, and my brother came out in high school in in our uh, Christian. We went at a Christian high school where my mom was on staff as a teacher. So. I felt a lot of like burden to like make sure I was living up yeah, to right. the standards of that society. Um, but my brother came out in high school, you know, not not without not thinking twice, but you know, from my perspective, I was like, "How did you do that?" Like, yeah. it just took me so long. So I'm always amazed to hear the stories of people who, you know, took that step in spaces that were really unsafe to do so. Yeah, that's incredible. So, yeah, um, wow. Yeah. There's so <laughs> many of us. So many of us. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. and I feel like this is the time that those stories are emerging, and I'm so happy to see books like Boy Erased mm. becoming, mm. giving, getting that limelight, and also paving a path yeah. for more stories to come forward. Right. Um, it's so important, mm-hmm. and and even podcasts like this, so important to give to give that space and. And I did, you know, it was this podcast that started turning me on to other podcasts and other podcasts. I'm like, oh my God, there's so many of us. Like, there's a whole world. Like, that's the thing. (laughs) Like, that's the thing that I come back to over and over again. And that's what I love about even that's what I love about this whole world is it feels so specific, this experience. It feels Mm -hmm. so unique in the sea of, because you're still seeing, especially in evangelical Christianity or in whatever, you're seeing the projection most of the time. Mm even in just like your average mainstream church of 250 people, of that, 248 of those people are showing you the projection all the time. And so it feels like we're rare. It feels weird, Mm -hmm. these people who have become outliers from that. But the reality is 200 of those 250 people (laughs) are somewhere on this spectrum, live somewhere in this land of, well, there's this conflict or I have this pathologized bullshit from my childhood where like... Sex was bad, so I did it in the closet, and I'm really concerned about it, and I have all these conflicted. Like, everyone has some echo of these stories, and what I love is just the similarity. Every single person that we talk to has such a unique and beautiful story with such a similar arc and Mm -hmm. such a similar emotional context, and you're so not alone in that. It's so So nice to feel not alone. God, there are so many. Yeah. So many, and it's so good. And it's that projection that makes us, c- keeps us feeling that aloneness yep. yeah. when all we really want is connection. Right. You know? Well, because the thing is dangerous, too. Mm-hmm. Like, if we all start talking about it, it topples the industry of Christianity real yeah. fast. It topples the money making, mm-hmm. capitalistic. That image is projected to protect the thing. Yeah. And the truth thing 
the, the interconnectivity of all of us and the, the similarities and the love there doesn't need protecting. It's not no. something that needs protecting. But yeah, it doesn't need gatekeepers. It right, need, yeah, no it gatekeepers. Doesn't need, it doesn't even need texts. Like, nope. it doesn't need a sacred text. <laughs> like, yeah. it just yeah. is in our bones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Mm. And, like, it, it just it just requires that moment of vulnerability to to shift all of that. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's what, when Jesus went in the temple and started flipping those tables, he was being vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and, and it was that moment of vulnerability that I think, I don't know, I don't know, just shifts the moment and, and brings it back into perspective. It is not about the projection, it is not about the money making, it is not, it's, it's not about the influence, it's about, it's about the connection. terrifying first admission because the what you've been sold is that once you say this once you say this true thing you are out of community and then you say the true thing and the floor stays under you somehow yeah and then you've got this reckoning though where you lose a massive part of your community that happens right you lose friendship you lose relationship and that hurts it's intense and painful and it's a death in and of itself but the floor stays you know Mm -hmm. you still remain yourself somehow and then you get to build then you figure out oh on the other side of this truth are actually a lot of other people and i like them and i get to be in relationship with them as myself and my whole self and you get to start to rebuild but that doing that first thing that first moment of transparency i think is the most terrifying thing because the weight of that potential excommunication you know exile to hell like literally your eternal soul right is what you've been told so it's a terrifying terrifying thing no wonder it takes us a minute (laughs) you know amen oh my goodness it's ridiculous so now did you you were on the TV show at the time that you came in. Did you come out publicly? I was looking back through some of your stuff. So did you like do that on the TV show as well? Or I wish you? I did. Yeah. What did that look oh, like? I wish for I would have thrown them for a loop. No, <laughs> that I didn't. Been fun. What did that? So what did that look like as far as like did they just quietly kind of move you out of there or? So we were getting ready. We were waiting for confirmation that we had funding for a third season. Mm. Um, so the second season was winding down. Our last episode was with jars of clay Mm -hmm. and, um, and I watched that documentary for, for the Bible tells me so. And I was up late at night aiming with my friend Hunter, you know, like Mm -hmm. I was like, Hunter, I just can't do this anymore. (laughs) And, (laughs) and so he kind of talked to me and, um, and so after that conversation, I just drafted up a press release, as lame as that sounds, mm-hmm. and and I just sent it out. And I was like, what comes of it will come of it, but I'm living my truth now, I you know? It. And and the next day, the local uh, LGBT newspaper in Nashville called Out and About Nashville uh, carried the story on their website, mm-hmm. and it went viral from there. Wow. Um, and 
and it was such a whirlwind. Yeah, uh, and there's the eyes of the internet, and that's yeah. a world in and of itself. Yeah, CBS was calling, Glad was calling, like all these people wanted to give me media training and interview me, and and I didn't know how to manage it, and so I was just saying yes to everyone. I was like, right. yeah, let's talk, and um, and but I I wish I didn't do that because I needed time to process and really, um, and so uh, yeah, that's that's how it happened. Is I just. Drafted a press release, released it, it went viral, and I got an email the next day from the network that said, please come turn in your key, and blessings from mm-hmm. Alan. And, and, uh, and then uh, I had friends inside of TBN uh, that were giving me updates of what was happening, and so uh, uh, they emailed me and said, they edited you completely out of the episode that you aired on with, uh, there's this really bad reality show that I was on mm-hmm. uh, for TBN <laughs> called Cruise with a Cra- Cause. I, so it was this Christian cruise that went oh. to the Bahamas to evangelize. Nice. Right? Oh, it was a dry a- boat, and I was the MC. And, wow, and so, <laughs> yeah. First of all, dry cruise ship is <laughs> a hard, that's a hard concept for me right there. Yeah. <laughs> What do you do? I don't even. I don't even want to get on a boat with booze. Yeah, right. So it was like all these Christian bands and me and whatnot and. Um, and so we even like snuck booze onto the ship and had right. a little party in our room. Because and, again, what do you do on a cruise? Right. I mean, nothing against cruise ships, but there's not a lot of other entertainment happening. No, but, not at yeah. all. And uh, and so they had a reality show around that cruise called Cruise with a Cause, That's and amazing. so I did this episode where we did like a blind date with one of the hosts from JCTV's shows <laughs> and 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 they edited me completely out of it. Wow. And um and I made some work for those editors. Yeah. <laughs> and I was told that Paul Crouch went to the program director uh, himself and said to pull my show from the air immediately and mm. so it was just like petty stuff. Yeah, you know just like yeah. okay, whatever. Right. Right. But, yeah. Bam. But it's, there's loss in that too. Like I think that, that that's such a that the way that the the church will swing back and punish. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that and it is I think just to enforce that narrative of don't do this because yeah. bad things will happen to you. This will happen. And blah, blah, yeah. But it sucks. I think. Yeah. There's a lot of loss of your work there and your time. And yeah. there was a moment where I I was I moved in with this guy that I was dating at the time and. Um, the day that I finally like settled and all the last picture was hung on the wall. Mm-hmm. I sat down on the couch, turned on the TV. JCTV was on the air, right. and the episode that they edited me out of was on the air. <sighs> and it was the first time that I witnessed it. And I just remember sitting there, just thinking, like, "Wow, they really did it. Mm-hmm. They really wanted to erase me. Yep. Not only did my pastor want to erase me when I was thirteen, they wanted to erase me again when I was twenty. Mm-hmm. And I really." told them who I really was. They don't like who I am. And that was at the directions of Paul Crouch, who Mm -hmm. I grew up watching and idolizing. And and I loved his story of like how he started in broadcasting and his first day on radio. He said, hello world. You know, like I I related so much to his story. And and that person that I idolized as a kid didn't even like me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how, that's the message that I took from it. But you know, now I'm just like, that's a petty bitch, you know, like, (laughs) it it, it is, it is a petty bitch and it's also a petty bitch with power. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a dangerous thing. Amen. Right. Right. Like, because that is like, that, that is why history is the way it is. Like, that's why we, (laughs) I just saw, um, 
I, sh- I, sh- I shouldn't spoil Hannah Gatsby's new show, actually, because she totally, Stop like, spoiling she, she, she made us, um, like, we had to put our phones in, like, locked cases. Oh, and they, like, we were, nothing, nothing was allowed to go <laughs> oh, out God, of there. God, don't get us pulled off the air. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we don't want Hannah, Hannah like, on our bad Hannah, side. Hannah, we love you. Don't no, this down. doesn't spoil anything to say that in her new show, that's, that's ex- like, the whole, it's, it's just a lot of what she's talking about is how men named everything. Yeah. Um, and the whole history, our whole, like, human history is... Yeah is people, it's petty bitches with power. Right. <laughs> I mean, can that just be the name of this episode, actually? It's <laughs> like, perfect. Perfect. Because, uh, that is what, yeah, you, you just be talking about being erased, like, that right. is exactly what a petty bitch with power will yeah. do. Someone who right. challenges their beliefs, what they think about the way the world works, whatever, whatever, however you rub up against their perception of how things operate. Right. Oh, but I am the one with the power and I control the story. So you're not in it anymore. Yeah. And the, yeah. the trick in that, the lie in it that baffles me every time that we fall for it every fucking time is that that is how we know the powerful person is powerful because they can erase you and shut yeah. you down. Yep. But the reality is that's how we know the power is fragile. Yes. Because if the power wasn't fragile, they wouldn't have to fucking erase you and That's shut right. you down because they would be threatened Ooh. by that. But that is how you know that power is fragile when yeah. they have to erase your experience because it threatens the fucking power. Right. And if it wasn't fragile, right. you're safe. You have an episode of a show. Who cares? Right. And you're, you're Katniss right now. Like you are Katniss. Like, <laughs> <laughs> taking out, the, I don't even remember the name of it. How many fingers is it? <laughs> Whatever. Like yeah. I'm really bad at Hunger Games. <laughs> Mocking Jay. Um, I have one of those mockingbirds outside of my window, by the way, and oh, I really? reject it as a choice for a mascot <laughs> because that is the most annoying piece of shit bird I've ever met in my life. It can do my car sound. I kid you not. It does really? the little thing that my car does wow. when I unlock it. I'm like, you are just a lot. Um, he's a lot. He's Anyway, so funny. But what's what's fascinating is that our truth still stands. Yep. You know, not fragile. Right. Mm. Right. Mm. Here we are still. Yeah. Still us. I'm still that little faggot who, at five years old who still wants to wear the mascara every once yeah. in a while. When I really want to like get into my queerness, and I know this is like queer light, I, I put my little muumuu on at home, <laughs> and I'm like, and my and my roommate and my friends will make fun of me. I'm like. And I, and I know that they understand, but they don't fully understand. You know, yeah. like, right. I'm touching my roots. I'm yeah. feeling my oats right now, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that, and for me, that's my, that's the truth that still stands, that Paul Crouch can't take away, that Jay Sekulow can't yeah. take away, that my pastor can't take away at 13, you know. So That's yeah. beautiful. Can't anyway. touch it. Can't fucking touch it. No. So, no. Yeah. Karen got to see me last weekend trying to manage my first pair of heels. Still my favorite. <laughs> Which the whole day is my favorite. They were day. like the worst heels for your first pair of heels, by the way. Because <laughs> he they, went big and Well, because look at my feet. I couldn't find any yeah. you have to what order size on, do you wear? I'm a thirteen. Okay. So you have to order online. Yeah. But I didn't have time. We had a party to go to. Right. Um and uh so I went to Nordstrom Rack and I found the largest pair of heels which were like the three inch like narrowest little and stiletto strappy. and strappy. Which mm-hmm. is just I can't I couldn't have walked well in those it shoes. Was like he had maybe awful in heels my whole life and I was like it was okay, awful and know. also exactly what you're saying, like connecting to something yeah. that mm-hmm. you're fighting through the pain. You're like, God mm-hmm. damn I it. Was. I am going to represent <laughs> in these fucking the stilettos. If we're getting yeah, in touch with right. the inner femme, it is all about like living in pain and just <laughs> doing yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Like, the whole thing. It's just like, through pain I rise. <laughs> 
<laughs> so the welcome. story of the woman. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Smash the fucking oh, patriarchy. That's right. That's how it goes. But, yeah, there's something very. Um, I don't know. I love. I love. I love that whole thing. I love. I love. It was a friend's birthday party, and so it was. It was his call that he kind of put out. That was like, show up in your best heels. You two yes. men, and so like my boyfriend wore my shoes. We share shoes, yeah. which is lovely. <laughs> I so love it. same size and everything. It's fun, um, <laughs> but there was something in that. It was just our little, and it was it was sweet. So we were talking to him too, and he was like, you know, it's funny. The people who show up for this are my church friends. Are the ones who show up in heels for this party, and I was like, yeah. damn straight. That's yeah. like exactly. That's exactly how that should be, actually. Yeah. Like, these yeah. are exactly the people who should show up for this. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a beautiful, all of those things fit. They all fit together. And this idea that they don't, that you have to erase this in order to protect this, is total bullshit. Yeah. It's just not real. Yeah. Here we are. We're all doing the thing, and it's just fine. Yeah. In heels. Yeah. And we're doing it in heels. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And that's okay. That's right. right. Oh, I remember... My first love when I was like five <laughs> was this boy at church. Mm-hmm. And we used to play between church services on Sundays. And I remember I used to get in his mom's closet and wear her cowboy boots because they had heels, you know. And uh, anyway, yep. random yep. story. Nope. But um, I've reconnected with her recently because I'm working on a book. And mm. um, and so I wanted to reconnect with her. And, and she's still like this just fun sassy lady we used to listen to carmen in yeah. her van she uh-huh. had like this little astro van and we used to blare it along with dc talk and then when it was winter in michigan she would like do donuts in the grocery store parking lot on you know when it was like kind of slick amazing she was so cool she was the such astro a cool man, I love it. yeah and she was like an artist so and creative type and, yeah yeah <laughs> mine is the carmen um <laughs> uh, anyway random story i love but. it well so but no so you're working on a book like that's that's i would love to transition actually into tell us so now we've gone through this we've gone through the coming out we've gone through the erasure where are you so it sounds to me like you kind of went through you had this public projected christian image and then came out and then had to deal with kind of the public progress like projection of now i'm the out version of me yes and so what did that look like for you going through then kind of i guess i'm assuming you had to deconstruct that a little bit yes and figure out where to go next yeah so after i came out um I was immediately embraced by the gay Christian online community. Mm-hmm. And I was invited to come speak at the Gay Christian Network in Anaheim in January of 2009. And um, and I wasn't ready for it. Right. I was not ready for it. And it showed in my speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and so, but I, I once again started trying to like, oh, you want me to be this? Right. Okay. I'll yeah. be this. Um, and and so like I, I I really tried fitting that role, um, and and that just wasn't working out. And um, and so yeah, I I these past five years I've started to stepping into who Azariah is, who mm-hmm. I am, um, and it's it's I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the message of Jesus. It's ingrained into me, and there's no way of leaving that. It's in, your bones. Um, it's in my bones. Um, but I, I can't. Um, I I don't know. I I have a hard time. I have a hard time trusting because I was told 
I was told who Jesus was and that Jesus would set me free and then that Jesus didn't happen mm. and that Jesus wasn't real. Mm. Um, and so I've had to come into knowing I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of all over the place in my mind right now. So I apologize if mm. this doesn't come out. That's how we like right? it. Um, but, um, and so I had to learn who Jesus was on my own uh, through, through what I grew up in and then through the whole coming out thing and like, oh, you're a gay Christian now. And I'm like, well, yeah, sure. And mm-hmm. now it's, now it's, um, I'm, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Was it like swapping one set of expectations and a, and a projection for another like it was like was gay christian did it come with its own like boxes you had to check off or fit into yeah or? because i feel like I, I felt like i still couldn't be too sexual yeah mm. um yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely I, I was like is it okay to cuss right. you know like is it okay to talk about drinking and smoking weed like yeah. you know um is it okay about my talking about doing ecstasy? Like, mm-hmm. like right. I mean, I don't. That was back in the Christian TV show days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, I didn't know. I I didn't. I didn't know how to be in that world either. And I. That's what I needed time with. I just needed time to learn how to be. And that's what I've taken time to do in the past five years mm-hmm. is really just learn how to be. Yeah. I've always been kind of an agitator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm that little queer faggot, you know, that, um, like I, I identify very much with the ACT UP movement and, um, uh, and those in that, and that tribe. Um, and so four years after I came out in 2012, I, I knew this guy, um, who was a Christian author and, um, he was writing, uh, uh, columns in the USA Today and on the Atlantic and he was saying things that like LG being gay is still a sin and it was during the whole Chick-fil-A controversy and Mm -hmm. he wrote an article in support of Chick-fil-A and so this is when I started kind of phasing out of of being in that mold of oh I'm a gay Christian now you know and started stepping into my voice and who I am and being the agitator mm. and um, and so I called him out and I said okay like you want to support Chick Fil A you want to say be gay people uh, being gay is a sin let's talk about the time we hooked up in the backseat of my car in downtown Chicago Ooh. you know let's talk about that yeah so. Um, because I believe, I strongly advocate for transparency in our leaders and complete authenticity and honesty. Yeah. And if you're going to stand up there and be a leader and have the microphone, and you're going to tell me being gay is a sin, but in the meantime, you're sucking dick on the side, let's yeah. talk about that. No more you know? split. No more. Yep. No fucking more. Yeah, that has, yeah. Mm. And so the gay Christian community that once embraced me started to be like, whoa, 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 we don't know about this because right. you're outing someone and we don't like that. Oh, no. But it's, it's, it's like... The one time... Yes. Is not only okay, but good for you. Yeah. Like, thank you for taking that responsibility on your yeah. own shoulders. Because, yeah, that is that is the one space when we there's you're not outing someone. You are holding you're holding up a mirror. Like, right. <laughs> right. if they can't look at themselves and, and that honestly, like you're doing them. Ultimately, you're doing them a favor, and right. you're certainly yes. doing thousands of other people who are going to hear that person's message of right. a, a giant favor. So right. no, thank you. Yeah. Because to me, it was like, you might, you might not be ex- as extreme as Jerry Falwell, but you're the end result is the same. Mm-hmm. You're a sin and things need to change and you mm-hmm. can be different, you know? 
and that's not how it is. Mm-hmm. That's not how it is at all. Right. And um, and so when I did that, I started getting feedback from the gay Christian community that they were extremely disappointed in me, and mm-hmm. I stopped getting invitations to come speak at places. Um, and people really became distant with me. Yeah. And I could have done it better, yes. I could have gone to this guy myself and said, hey, you need to chill the fuck out with what you're saying or this is going to happen. Right. I, that's where I, I could have done better. But, right, <laughs> I know, at, at the same I'm time... I'm still on board with that. I know, right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, put the act upside to me. It's like, eh, fuck it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but I... Uh, yeah, um, and so I started going through a, another identity crisis of like, oh my God, I'm not a gay mm-hmm. Christian, you know, like, oh, who am yeah. I? You know, where do I belong? And right. and so I went into, got into this relationship um, with a wonderful guy, and then I moved across country with him, mm-hmm. and I did that to prove to my parents at that time that I could um, be gay and happy in a stable relationship, right. but also because I was like, you know, I don't belong in the gay Christian world. I, I don't have a voice anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to settle down, get married, have live my housewife dream. You know, he was a doctor. And so like, mm-hmm. yeah. we were going to just live the dream in Vegas. And, um, and then slowly but surely that started unravel. And I realized that's not who I am either. Mm-hmm. And, and so Long answer, but (laughs) but uh, uh, yeah, that's um, after I came out, and that's that's kind of what happened, and yeah, I don't know. I feel like we live a lot of us because we, you know, we're so we we spend the beginning of our lives so oriented to being this particular person, right? Like I'm going to be this person that makes my parents happy or the church happy or whoever whoever we're aiming for. Shifting out of that orientation of I will be what you want me to be is such a difficult mindset shift. And I think what's funny, I've watched myself and a lot of us struggle with just not knowing what we like. Yeah. Like, I just don't. Like, when you ask me, like, well, what do you what do you want to do? Like, I don't know. I'm not used to thinking about like what life I want to live. Like yes. what I I'm used to like trying to meet these expectations. Yes. You know, Julia Roberts in Runaway Bride. Right. <laughs> How do you want your eggs? Yeah. However, he's having them. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm yeah. so used to not having that open. You know, yeah. so much to like. Oh, well, I want the things I'm supposed to want, obviously. But like, oh, if I can want anything, it's overwhelming and daunting, and it's much easier to find another like set formula of things that you can do be like oh well this community says i should like these things so i'll just jump in here and we hide in that i think um in a lot of different ways and it takes a lot of time to figure out where you're hiding and i still catch myself doing it where i'm like oh now i'm this girl oh now i'm podcast girl you know (laughs) know, (laughs) like am i doing am i being all the way myself here or am i like doing a thing and i have to check it all the time Mm -hmm. because it's so easy to slip in but just that question of like what do you want what do you want? What do you want your life to look like? What do you yeah. want to be? What does the soft animal of your body want to love? God, we don't know, you know? It's <laughs> tricky. It's a complicated question. It shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. We should know that from the beginning. We should yeah. be asked, you know? Amen. And celebrated, but yeah. it's yeah. hard. So. I, 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 I resonate so much with, like, your whole trajectory. Like, just the similar. I, I, did, I did five years of, of intentional ex-gay therapy or conversion therapy, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. Um, and then I did the whole, I had a partner who I just kind of like merged into his life and moved across yeah. the country for and was like, he, and he was going to be a doc, he was in, in getting his PhD and, um, 
and I thought I would just live my best like housewife life yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and it unraveled. And then I come back to San Diego and, and, and that, and, and for me, that's what the past five years have been too. It's like, who am I? What do I want? What yeah. does Matthew want? And that's why this podcast exists too. Cause I'm, I'm for sure also an agitator yeah. as well. And yeah. like, I, I, I don't know. I have a voice. I want to use it. And you know, you find you find the way to do it. You know, even if, if you self-produce mm. it and do it yourself, like that's you get right. it out there. Yep. So, oh, speaking of podcasts, let's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you you've meant, you mentioned uh, something that you're working on. What's what is that? Yeah. So, um, my friend Daniel Francesi and I are starting a podcast called Yes Jesus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just wanted a T-shirt. I just yes. a T-shirt. Yeah, we, we are here for the Great. T-shirt. Yeah, so, <laughs> as soon as it arrives, we're in. yeah. So uh, it's going to be so much fun. We we want to create a space um, for uh, other LGBTQIA people who come from a faith background um, but uh, have a hard time connecting uh, and feeling safe uh, talking about the faith or even practicing it. Mm. So we want a podcast where... Uh, we are going to have some of the queens from Drag Race come in and write and 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 say a prayer mm. um, uh, for the LGBT community, mm-hmm. as well as share their stories. Um, we're going to have people on who are poly and uh, polygamous and and Christian, mm-hmm. and what's it like to be a Christian outside of the traditional box? And mm-hmm. um, and it's going to be so much fun. And I, Danny. A lot of people will know him from Mean Girls as Damien. Yeah. <laughs> he's a comedian. He is such a sweetheart um, and he's hysterical. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really excited to see uh, what's going to come out of it, what mm-hmm. kind of conversations we're going to have. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. watch out for Yas, Jesus. Oh, we'll 100% <laughs> watch out for Yes, it. we will. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you have like an anticipated release period of t- time when it's coming? So we're going to start recording probably in June. Nice. And then uh, probably I would expect in July, August. So, so this summer. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. we will we'll share the link when it comes out on all of our, yeah. our social media too. So that yeah. So anticipate that, heathens. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> Love um, it so much. So what is so in the past five years of finding Azariah? Yeah. <laughs> um, what is what? Where where are you now? Like, what's working for you? What's um, what makes you feel like a whole human being? And and what does your spiritual practice look like now? What do you do? Um, uh, for me, it's when I connect with people, mm-hmm. um, and practicing that uh, human connection vulnerability is my spiritual practice. Mm. Um, that's what makes me feel at home. That's why I reached out to you to, to do this. Yeah. Um, I, that is that is my spirituality. Um, Vulnerability is spirituality. Amen, like that. amen, yeah. amen. Yeah. Church of Brene Brown, people. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, I, and I think I realized that a year ago, when I admitted myself into uh, a treatment center mm. um, because I was suicidal, I was depressed, mm. um, I was in another relationship, be- being who someone else mm-hmm. thought I, I, I could be, um, being who I thought someone else wanted me to be and, mm. and not doing what I wanted to do and, um, and so much more. And, um, and when I was in treatment, I I met so many people with so many different issues and struggles and um, things that they were trying to overcome, and and I learned how to be vulnerable. And 
um, during one of our, our little therapy sessions, uh, it was everyone in the treatment center in this one room, and Mackenzie Phillips was leading the session, mm-hmm. and she turned on this song called A Call. It's spelled A-K-A-A-L, mm-hmm. and uh, sung by, um, oh, I forget her name, but uh, and I'm forgetting the other guy's name, so forget it, but just <laughs> Google A Call. It's a beautiful song. Um, as soon as she turned that song on, I just started bawling, started mm-hmm. bawling. And the song is all about coming home. Mm. And, and it was the first time. And when, we were de- when the song ended, Mackenzie looked at me. She said, Azariah, what's going on? And I just said, for the first time in a f- long time, I feel like I'm actually coming home to myself. Mm. And, um, and so uh, it, was, it was that whole experience of two months in treatment that I learned how to be vulnerable and connect with other humans. And, and that was my pathway home. That was my spiritual practice. And that's when I felt the most fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, in the past five years and, and whatnot, that's, that's what I found to be most useful for me. Mm. So, and and I, I incorporate Jesus in that, yeah. you know, because yeah. that's my tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and in his message and and so um but i didn't identify as a christian yeah so um but i love jesus so, mm. yeah jesus didn't identify as a christian either jesus is still all right with me <laughs> jesus is still all right oh yeah <laughs> You're writing a book? Writing a book. Did you drop that? Yeah, like, kind of yeah. in there? I like I it? What are we writing a book yeah. about? Just your just, story? Just my story. I yeah. love that. So, um, I, it's a really a struggle to sit down and write, as yes, most people is. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I always have that doubt of, oh, my story's not ready. It's not mm-hmm. good enough. Mm-hmm. When I first came out, I was approached by a publishing house about writing my story for a book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Was obvi- As we know already, I was not ready. <laughs> yeah. and, and I feel like I'm at, in a place, okay, I can sit down and write. I, I know I have something to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that overall narrative theme and message is still working itself out. But I've just been sitting down and saying, this is what happened. And this is how it happened, you know, and let's really deconstruct all of this and take down this motherfucking empire Mm -hmm. because it it does not, it is not worthy of existence. (laughs) It's all teeter tottery anyway. Someone just needs to knock it over. Yeah. So um, that's what I hope to do is to be like, you know, Jan Crouch had a pack of cigarettes in her, in her makeup drawer. Like, (laughs) you know, like she, she, anytime she got angry, she loved to smoke and cuss and, you know, Mm -hmm. and one of my good friends was, um, worked at the (laughs) studios in Nashville and, and his aunt ran the studios there. And, uh, he told Jan that he was gay and she looked at him and said, honey, if everyone at TBN, uh, quit who was gay, TBN would shut down. You know, like, See, meanwhile, Paul like... had such a different, uh, you know, approach. Yeah, right. yeah. And her and Paul didn't even live in the same house. Yeah. 
They lived under the same roof, but the home was separate uh, and right. decorated completely different. Uh, huh. Her side of the home was like a TBN set. So you knew who decorated the TBN right, sets. Right. It was like thick white carpet, even in the kitchen and bathroom, mm. um, just over the top. And then Paul's was forest green carpet, lots of wood. He had a mm. bar in his home, you know, and Gucci outfits in his closet. Uh, um, I didn't break in this time. I was allowed in, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I was invited. Uh, but but just uh, these people that represent this mm-hmm. empire, yeah. they're not who you think they are. Christian yeah. stars, kids, they're just like you. Mm. Amen. It's Amen. all the same. Um, or worse. <laughs> or worse. <laughs> or so much worse than you. Um, you said Gucci. Have you guys seen, who was it that told me about this? The pastors? Oh, it was a, a friend of ours. Um, there's an Instagram account called Pastors in sneakers, pastors oh, wearing yeah. sneakers. Have you seen this? Hold I've on. Not heard I want to make sure that I get it right. Let going me... to great lengths right now to call out, like, yeah, yeah, All pastors it... wearing five thousand dollars sneakers. Wait, and... yeah. this pastor in North Carolina, right? They they called him out recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I actually don't know. Where, that's my home state. I should know. Okay. But... Yeah. Oh, preachers! It's preachers. Preachers and sneakers. <laughs> yeah, I I did hear about this recently. I don't know um, if one of you guys posted it, and that's how I saw yeah, it. Yeah, but... preachers and sneakers. The Lord works in mysterious colorways. If you need a new Instagram to follow, <laughs> preachers and sneakers, and it's all just like pictures of the pastor, what he's wearing, and then they just put the oh listing gosh. for the shoes next to it, and so you go, oh yeah. Those Gucci shoes cost six hundred fifty bucks, you know, or two thousand dollars, or whatever they are. And, um, but just calling out the straight up commercialism of yeah. some of these things, and, and yeah. even the evolution of how the church is trying, the evangelical church specifically, is trying to target young people now through Instagram yeah. uh-huh. and changing. Like the Southern Baptist Convention has been very intentional in how they approach this. They no longer put the word Southern Baptist in their names mm. because they know it's a turnoff. Mm. So, like the church in Hollywood off of uh, uh, La Brea and Hollywood Boulevard is called Mosaic. Right. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know? But yeah. it's a Southern Baptist right. church. Yep, yep, yep. And if you really get, like, get and all the these bumps. like, like hipster kids are yep. going there thinking, oh yeah, I have gay friends. My yep. church is gay friendly. No, it's fucking not. It's yeah. totally no, it's not. Yeah. Leave that church now. Church you know, clarity. yeah, they church say, clarity is yes. where we go for this. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. Church clarity, kids. Yeah. You type in the name, you figure it out. Um, they say there's a place at the table for you. Yeah, but no. when Fuck. but when it comes to it, yep. no. This is where this is where I have I've got a lot. If you are working on it, if you are deconstructing your bad theology, cool. I've got space for you for days. But but that faux progressive, yeah. Like we're gonna put off this idea that we are super progressive. It's a trap, yep. and I do not like a trap. Yep. That is some manipulative bullshit. So amen. No hard no from me on yep. that. But. Yeah, I'm sorry if I keep saying amen. It's just... No, it's fine. <laughs> no I've do. done it too. I've, I've reclaimed it. <laughs> it's a reclaimed yeah. word. I love it. Uh, yeah. All right, well, if this is the kind of stuff we can expect from Yes, Jesus, I'm like... <laughs> On board. <laughs> I'm definitely, I can't wait. This is it. Yes. The dish. The, the <laughs> in, inside the house. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I love it. There I go again. I love okay. it. <laughs> no, it's good. It's a habit. It's a word. Uh, yeah. May as well take it. <laughs> We were right to it. It's fine. We've worked hard enough. <laughs> we have. We can keep it. That's right. Jeez. That's right. Come on, guys. They don't get all the cool stuff. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> they might have Justin Bieber, Bieber, Bieber but I have good Amen. Exclamation. Exactly. <laughs> they might have Justin Bieber. <laughs> they got the Biebs. Oh, yeah, they do. <sighs> well, that's a story for another day. <laughs> um, 
we, we could do a whole episode, I think, on the Bieber trajectory. Oh, we totally so, could. That a, wow. That's a lot of wow. Okay, so speaking of Instagram, we now know where to find Preachers and Sneakers. Where do we yeah. find you? Where yeah. are all of your things? I am the only Azariah Southworth <laughs> on Shocker. any social media. <laughs> that's great. So uh, she sticks out like a sore thumb <laughs> as long as you know how to spell my name. Right. So A-Z-A-R-I-A-H and Southworth. From the South, worth a lot. Not really. <laughs> I'm from England. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. All right. We'll post that as well. So folks go follow Azariah. Uh, get it, get, get hype for Yes Jesus. Yes Jesus. And, um, be vulnerable in your spiritual practice. I love it. Thank you for that. Yeah. Support your local library. (laughs) Support your local library. Yes. (laughs) With an ocean view. I mean, we don't have it. We have a view of the alley, but the front of the library has a view. There's an ocean painted on the wall. I know. It's beautiful. It's a really beautiful painting. We'll take a picture for you. It's a nice one. Thank you so much for My pleasure. being willing to come and do this with us. Thanks for having me and thanks for letting me share and thanks for connecting. Yeah, I appreciate I'm that. Excited.